Patterns in milestones help establish the routines of our lives. The patterns of seasons organize our annual routines. Fall, winter, spring, summer, and repeat. Within the routine established by seasons, patterns of life are arranged. Vacations, reunions, the start and end of the school year, snow days, more snow days, holidays, and more. Then there are the milestones. No matter your age, milestones, baptisms, confirmations, birthdays, graduations, anniversaries, and promotions take the annual pattern of our lives and spice it up a bit. Without these patterns and milestones, our lives would be less interesting, completely unorganized, and lack any sort of trajectory or purpose. The church calendar, the festivals we celebrate, the colors of the altar pyramids, and the scriptures we read shape our shared lives, forming a pattern. The patterns form the church's shared life, a life of ministry too, and with one another following the milestones of Jesus' life. The milestones of Christ's life set the pattern for us today. Each year we begin with Advent. We look back and we look forward. We then move to Christmas and Epiphany. Then it is on to Lent, Easter, Eastertide, Pentecost, and finally, Ordinary Time. For generations, the church has followed this pattern, mirroring this pattern established by Christ's life, death, and resurrection. This past week, we entered the season of Epiphany by marking the visit of the Magi to the Christ child. This season is particularly important to us because the church believes this was the moment when Gentiles, that would be us, those outside of the original Abrahamic covenant, were pulled into the salvific work of God through Jesus Christ. On this first Sunday of the season of Epiphany, we continue to follow the milestones of Christ's life by remembering Christ's baptism and considering what our baptism into his life, death, and resurrection mean. The Gospels, they disagree on a lot of things. Details of events, location and timing do not match from book to book. Sometimes entire events are contradicted or worse, omitted altogether. All four of the Gospels do tell us that Jesus was baptized by John in the Jordan River alongside empire-colluding tax collectors, thieves, and religious hypocrites. The Gospel of John leaves out the Nativity. In Mark, Mark leaves out this little thing the church calls Easter. Matthew and Luke add to what Mark left off while John is often off doing what John does, his own thing. But all four of the Gospels agree on Jesus' baptism and his crucifixion. As Jesus entered the water, as the water streamed down his hair, onto his face, into his eyes, and off his body, he assumed the sins of the world upon himself. John had been calling people to repent, to turn away from their sin and towards the righteousness of God. John's invitation was to a human act. John's offering of baptism in the Jordan River was a symbolic act and 
would not make one righteous before God. As the waters of John's baptism washed over the recipient, the weight and guilt of their sin remained. As Jesus exited the waters, the weight and guilt of their sin, of our sin, of my sin, of your sin, exited with him, eventually going with Christ to the cross. Through the manger, Jesus entered the messiness of this world, and at his baptism, he took that messiness upon himself to sort out on our behalf. Because sorting out the weight and guilt of our sin is something humanity cannot and will not, has not, been able to do on our own. All of us are born into a world not of our own making. The mess I inherited from my parents, thanks mom and dad, is not something I sought out for myself. And still, the mess is mine. The mess my kids will inherit from their parents is not something they will seek out for themselves. Sorry, kids. And still, the mess will be theirs. Inheriting the mess, a byproduct of sin, is a pattern of our lives that we cannot cannot outrun, and as best I can tell, is not something we can rid ourselves of anytime soon. Anytime soon. And here's where we find the good news of this Sunday, as best put by retired Episcopal priest, the one and only Reverend Fleming Rutledge. Jesus swoops down in our miserable condition, bringing the gifts of new life. He does not ask us what we are doing to make ourselves better. He just gives us the gift. He does not ask if we are working to turn ourselves around. He does not ask for a receipt. He puts redemption into our lives. Assuming the sin of humanity on himself, Jesus did what I did not want to do and what I could not correct for my parents, what my kids will not want to do for me, and that which I will never be able to do for myself. We cannot course correct our sinful nature. In Jesus' baptism, in his life, death and resurrection, a pattern no one can replicate, Jesus has secured salvation for all of creation. Every person. Because believe it or not, God loves you. God has always loved you, and there is nothing you could ever do to undo the love God has for you. Words have power. No matter if they are carefully typed out in a sermon manuscript or quickly sent out in 140 characters or less, words have more power than we often imagine. The only words spoken at Jesus' baptism were words of affirmation and love. There were no words of institution or a liturgy well crafted by generations of clergy and theologians. You are my son, the beloved, with you I am well pleased, echoed down from the heavens. And when an echo comes from heaven, you better look out, because the pattern of our lives are about to be upended. The psalmist wrote, The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The voice of the Lord flashes forth in flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. 
the voice of the Lord causes the oaks to whirl and strips the forest bare. The belovedness of Jesus was not a lullaby coming down from above. The voice of God is a disruptor that upsets the pattern of our lives, turning over the complacency we establish for ourselves because we favor our comfort over what is unknown. When we enter the waters of baptism, we are, as the Apostle Paul wrote, clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ and beloved children of God. As the waters move across your head, across your body, a voice cries down from heaven, you are my son, you are my daughter, you are my child, the beloved. This is a holy declaration that cannot be taken away. It is a holy declaration that overturns the lives, the patterns and routines we, we establish for ourselves inviting us to a new life of discipleship. Discipleship is, as retired United Methodist bishop and teacher of preachers at Duke Divinity, Will Willimon puts it, the way Christ rescues us from vain attempts to make something of your life. God gives you a job that is more important than you. Faced with a broken world, creation out of kilter. God does not send in the Marines. God casts forth the meek, foolish, and weak. Us. A new job, a new pattern for your life. You are loved and through baptism you have been made clean, called to a new life, a new task. The baptized life calls us to a new way of living that might seem odd to your family, friends, and and neighbors. A life of leaving the 99 in search of the one. A life of welcoming the stranger, the outcast, and the forgotten. A life of seeking and finding. Finding and then, well, seeking. A life of following the Messiah who overturned the ways of the world, not through the sword, but through generosity, compassion, and grace. I do not remember my own baptism. I've been told that I was baptized on August 19, 1984 at Faith United Methodist Church in Rockville, Maryland. Maybe you remember yours. But if you're like me, don't worry about remembering your baptism because remembering is not the point. And if you have yet to enter the waters, that's okay too. I want you to know the invitation has been extended to you by Christ, to all of creation, to you. The waters are waiting for you. Because of Christ's baptism, because of his life, death, and resurrection, we have been raised to new life. The old part of our lives has been put to death. As Bishop Willeman puts it, this new pattern takes your whole life to finish what was begun when the church doused you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and called you a Christian. Amen.